0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em.
1: And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are smack dab in the middle of a unit I've chosen for us, for better or for worse, on military science fiction. Mm. Yahoo. Uh, and M brought to the table... As a classic example of the genre, Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein. Yes. But before Mm -hmm. we get
0: too into that, I suppose since it is the second episode, it is now time to learn about this genre. History. 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 Yay. Okay. (laughs) So... Uh, Obviously, this genre is a subgenre of science fiction, which is in itself part of a larger genre sort of now that we call speculative fiction, Mm -hmm. Um, science fiction being kind of as the name implies made up things that focus on some scientific angle, usually technology and how technology may shape people in the future, although it is also possible to write sci-fi about the past, such as time travel novels. Um, Mm -hmm. In regards to military sci-fi specifically, although we picked uh, Starship Troopers, which was in the 50s by Heinlein, to represent the genre, it is not the first example of the genre uh what exactly the first example of the genre is kind of up to some debate some people would argue that uh speculative fiction about possible future uh battles would be classified as military sci-fi like um Stuff written by Machiavelli and Sun Tzu, uh, who, no. both wrote, no. who both wrote military forecasts. I, like you, disagree. I don't think that counts as sci-fi. But That's like
1: ph- the philosophy
0: of war. That's yeah. not. Yeah. Well, they they also did both write, I guess, like stories that were like, this is how a battle might happen sort of thing.
1: But did they have lasers and aliens the, I don't them?
0: think they had lasers. I didn't read all of Sun Tzu, so <laughs> I can't say for sure. But to me, that doesn't strike me as military sci-fi. Kind of moving into the 1800s, you have stuff like uh, The Last Man by Mary Shelley, which some people have said is military sci-fi. I have not read that. Like
1: Frankenstein, Mary Shelley?
0: Yes, like Frankenstein, Mary Shelley. It kind of seems like maybe people were like, and she started military sci-fi just to be like, she's the mother of science fiction, you know, and kind (laughs) of hemmed in The Last Man as being military sci-fi. From my brief Wikipedia reading of the synopsis of The Last Man, it doesn't seem like military sci-fi to me because from what I've uh, been looking into have the genre military sci fi, military sci fi generally, uh, has to, has I only focus, read
1: <laughs> homegrown military sci fi, yes, indeed.
0: Uh, focuses on, as the name implies, military actions, battles, and the uh troops involved in these, yeah. So, there's also stuff like H.G. Wells, uh, which that's what say, I would think of. Yeah, I would say, I okay, think. that's yeah. military sci fi, right? Because it's like. Like War of the Worlds. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of another earlier example. Then when we get into the 1930s and 40s, we have, of course, the pulp fiction that was popular of the time, um, which is where a lot of the sci fi of that era was being published, which mm-hmm. is serialized uh, works, usually in magazines, things like that. And there were a lot of military sci fi type stories in this. Kind of similar to this vein of this book that we're going to read, that we're going to get into, uh, where it's, you know, like life in the military, but also they have lasers, essentially. Yeah. Uh, People going on adventures, big sort of uh, grand sweeping um, glorification of the military type idea. Then we get Heinlein. For that time
1: period, I don't buy
0: it. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, We get Heinlein, who writes uh this book which is starship troopers which is often pointed to as kind of like the pinnacle of the genre especially of the early military sci-fi um and much like that pulp fiction it is very much glorifying the military oh my god i know right to the Uh, extreme very much so uh Way more than I thought it was going to, <laughs> but it's very. <laughs> I was <it's> shocked. <laughs> very, pro-military, um, very, very pro military. Very pro war. Yeah, capital yeah, yeah. punishment. Um, which probably shouldn't be that surprising, considering the time period it's written in, where we have all of these like Cold War kind of vibes. I think it specifically yeah. was being written in like relation to. The suspension of uh, like nuclear testing, I think, is kind of what it, mm. what the like impetus was. Yeah. And I was thinking kind of like retaliation to the beatnik stereotype mm-hmm. as well. Yes. There's a lot of that going on, too. We go on into the 80s, 90s. We see Honor Harrington, which we have already read, which is huh. uh, another kind of pillar of the genre, um, and it's taking it back to that sort of Horatio Hornblower classic military fiction. But it's just in space. So we've got that sort of vibe, and that's kind of where it's going. Continuing on today, I did skip over the Forever Wars, which is another one a lot of point a lot of people point to, which I have read by uh, John Haldeman or Joe Haldeman, um, which is uh, kind of a anti Heinlein. Uh, example of military sci-fi where it's kind of like hey maybe war's not good yeah let's not let's maybe don't (laughs) genocide of an entire alien species yeah but yes then we get into like stuff today where obviously like there is a lot of military sci-fi available Um, a lot of it is in kind of this like glorification vein there is also like more subversive military sci-fi where it's like okay but maybe not Mm mm-hmm and obviously, like all of publishing, there is a wide variety of it because it is easier to publish uh, now than it was, you know, in the 50s, 60s. There's less gatekeeping in yeah. terms of you can just write your own thing and put it on Kindle. Not saying that put that's on not that Wattpad. Not saying that's not without its own problems, but it does uh, lead to, you know, lower bar to enter. Um, mm-hmm. However, it should be noted in general from my research not saying this is you know exclusive this does seem to be a genre that is still very much being written primarily by white men (laughs) Uh, I don't know why that would be Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I also found it interesting in um, one of the things I was reading which is um, I'll I'll you know link all of this stuff in the description but uh, the book, May the Armed Forces Be With You, The Relationship Between Science Fiction and the U- United States Military by uh, Stephen Deadman, which that's a cool name for the subject. <laughs> that's a cool name, period. True, true. He Deadman, Stephen. <laughs> he makes the argument that uh, science fiction is a uh, very specifically American genre. Um, is that true? Which, well, he I said he makes the argument. I don't know if I fully agree, but he does like point out that a lot of sci-fi that is being created, like obviously there are British sci-fi writers, there are sci-fi writers from other places, some of the earliest sci-fi was not American, Um, but he points out that a lot of the sci-fi that's being created today is still placed in, like, American cities, even if it is, like, being produced in other countries. And he says, uh, America is a nation of liars, and for that reason, science fiction has a special claim to be our national literature, as the art form best adapted to telling the lies we like to hear and to pretend we believe. Which I thought was very, Mm. like, I don't know if I fully agree that it is a specifically American genre in general, but I do think that there is a very specific type of American sci-fi, which I think most military sci-fi falls into, Um, and I think anybody who is aware with like American politics can kind of see the waves of uh, military sci-fi as different wars pop up and how sci-fi is often a response to those wars.
1: Yes, that I can believe. There does, yeah, there does seem to be kind of just, like, a general whitewashing in a lot mm. of these novels where it's, like, even though, like, look, I gave all my characters names from different ethnicities, but, yeah. you know, they all, they're all they all white. Come they're on, all culturally guys. American. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I, I can understand where he's going with that.
0: There's also another argument in a different one I read um, called uh, Colonialism in the Emergence of Science Fiction uh, by John Reeder about how, like, Science fiction is this very colonialist genre, mm-hmm. which I think also plays very much into the military sci-fi.
1: Yes, 100%. Because mm-hmm. it's always about, like, conquering somebody yes. or, you know. Now, we say always,
0: but it is uh, in, big the examples, in the examples.
1: Yes, it's in the examples that we've
0: seen. Even in Honor Harrington, I think Weber was trying to subvert that a little bit by, you know, having, like, a group that was dedicated to letting the indigenous population figure out their own shit. You know, yeah. But at the same time, it is sort of that still like people are still fighting over the people are still fighting over it. People are still you know trying to press out into the vast expanse of space in order to you know bring civilization into these other far gone places. It's a very colonialist idea, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think actually I did kind of agree a little bit with what with one of the points this author made in all their philosophy ramblings Mm. about how it's kind of just like the preservation of our species um but in another book i read i think i might have mentioned on the podcast before um the uh space opera by Catherine and valenti Mm -hmm. like what like you might go to a planet and then like wipe out all the native species on that planet but like what are and were any of them sentient and how do you determine whether or not they were because they would have a different way of living and communicating so yeah it's it's um Feels very reminiscent of a lot of things in especially American history. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um.
0: Anyway, the the kind of looking into the history of military sci-fi was very interesting. I think that it's a a lot of times these spec um genres are s- so interesting to look at through a cultural lens because mm-hmm. they are obvious. Like you can see how they are reacting to different things. So there is a right. like a like this is book is very clearly like we said reacting to like kind of cold war ideology and coming off of world war Two, right like mm-hmm. there's a lot that's a response to world war Two, and there's a lot of res- that's a response to like okay but should we actually go to war right mm-hmm. so I, again i think like this is one of those genres that you really need to look at the cultural context of when it was being written in order to like fully get what's going on you know De- yeah. no death of the author here
1: essentially Maybe we should do, like, we should take one one of these days, have a project where we read one, like, spec fic book from each decade or a couple yeah. or something and just be like, hey, here's what's up.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> like, do a tour of – it would yeah. also be interesting to kind of do the same idea but do, um, like, a spec fic book from the same decade but from different cultures. Ooh, like, yeah, if we yeah, could yeah, do, yeah. like, the 2000s from, like – European and like African and Amer like North American, South American, you know, like and do that sort of Asian, you know, like and figure out like how these different cultures are reacting to the same sort of global pressures through specfic. Yeah.
1: TM TM. Don't no one steal. No one steal that. No one steal our idea. TM (laughs) 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 If you heard us talk about it, it's illegal for you to steal our idea. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You will go to jail. we
0: have that authority we have our lawyers will be on it in
1: seconds (laughs) i'm gonna report you to the attorney general
0: (laughs) all right so that's the backdrop of this genre um as i said this is kind of one of the major books in this genre what did you think of this book anna
1: it's very different from the movie which i think we all already knew Mm -hmm. the movie that came out in the 80s which okay Well, I'll get to that in a second. So the movie that came out in the 80s um, was very much like a Mm tongue-in-cheek, almost a parody of the genre, I would say. Like, it's very... Yeah. It very much plays on the tropes of being pro-military and flips it. Um, Whereas this book was like, hey, you should hit your kids. (laughs) (laughs) So that... Because violence is always the answer. Yeah. This
0: was... uh Uh, very what are those those two jackasses who dubois the are those the fundies the fundies who are really into hitting your kids
1: oh i was that's the guy in the book his name is Dubois. that's like um, saying all this stuff to the seniors in high school (laughs) it's michael something
0: Michael Pearl. Michael and Debbie Pearl. That's the two. The, they, like, wrote a book that was, like, train up a child that's, like, really big in fundamental circles, including, like, the uh, Duggars and stuff, I think. Oh. Which is basically just, like, you should hit your kids because that's how they learn. And I was like, man, like, they must have been really into Heinlein, I guess, because Heinlein was, like, right on board.
1: <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, this, this was definitely a lot more philosophical than mm-hmm. our Honor Harrington book was. Mm-hmm um somehow less plot which i didn't think plot was possible <laughs> yeah less plot uh f- same amount of characters yeah. <laughs> i feel like uh, but way shorter like mm. half the size of quick read yeah yeah quick read but a boring one um i think this is definitely a good example of the genre mm. And further cements the idea in my mind that I hate it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> Did you do enjoy your experience with Starship Troopers? This
0: is a one star on Goodreads, which I don't one star a lot of stuff, but this was bad.
1: Like It was uh, it was a struggle. I gave it two because I listened to I listened to a fan made audiobook on YouTube that included sound effects. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's that was fun. kind of fun.
0: <laughs> Lasers. Maybe we'll link them in our description, too, if you guys want yes, to listen to Yes, yes.
1: Remind me. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Very boring. Very um, problematic sort of things in it. Yeah. Um, I just... Disag- like a lot of the reviews I was reading was like even if you disagree with the philosophy of this which is like yes I do disagree very very strongly with the philosophy of this book um, but mm-hmm. even if you disagree with it you should still find enjoyment and I'm like I didn't though it was no super boring. there was nothing
1: happening it was just this nothing dude happened. went to school and then went to war and
0: it was that same thing of Honor Harrington where I felt like there was absolutely no connection between him and any of the characters
1: yes Yes, didn't give a shit about anybody in this book, even Johnny. It's just so, so
0: lacking in any sort of human connection, and that's mm-hmm. what I read for is like to experience the human connection that I am lacking in my own life. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. I like that. I have I have a problem with a lot of like hard sci-fi or military sci-fi mm-hmm. because it, the emphasis is not on the characters; it's on like proving how intelligent you are about science or military you know but the like the thing with the thing with this book also was even from that angle of like
0: sci-fi I felt like it was such a failure like there was not that much interesting tech right like they had right, the suits yes. and they went over those in depth in the first little bit but then like after that it was pretty much just like military it was very heavy military yes right? oh my god so if you don't care about how, like, militaries are structured, this is not a book for you. So I guess in who I would recommend this to, people who care about how militaries are structured
1: would yeah. be the one. Yeah, if you want to read about a single person's um experiences going through boot camp and then mm-hmm. going on to be a trained cadet in a space army, I mean, any army, military, but, like, specifically space army, I guess, in this one, then this is your book because it goes so in-depth um. On the like it, the Terran Federation is the main character of this mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it is so boring.
0: <laughs> I just don't I don't understand how this was this was the book that people were like, mm, yes, military sci-fi. I don't know. This is so tasty.
1: Give me more of the genre, right. No.
0: I can't. It was so I, I feel like maybe I will be able to find a book that is in this genre that isn't this. Because I feel like it is so broad, right? And I said, like, I've read Forever Wars. I think Forever Wars is great, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm not discounting the genre entirely. But this, I was expecting so much
1: more from this book. (laughs) Yes. The movie really set me up to think it was going to be one thing. And it was not. I was also, maybe points in favor of this book, was very surprised to learn it was written in 1959. Mm -hmm. For some reason, my mind was, like, early 80s. Um, and then I went and I was like, "Oh, 1959. It doesn't sound like it was written in 1959, except for except for the politics of it." But I thought it sounded
0: even more dated than that because, like, the way Rico really? speaks is so formal. It's father, so weird.
1: Oh, it is so good to oh, see indeed, you, father. father. Yeah, like <laughs> what? <laughs> I it it read it read very easily. Mm, yeah, I'll give it that. Yeah, which you know, good, I guess. Yeah uh and now i have the physical copy of it because it was cheaper than buying it on kindle
0: oh i just think i got it from the library
1: i should have done that support but your local libraries our library does need the support because it doesn't have a lot of titles it's not like <laughs> a great library it's i give them 10 out of 10 for effort the librarians are doing their best they're doing a great job they got all kinds of programs but as for actual materials there aren't many <laughs> join us next week on library reviews and <laughs> the library where i used to live was fantastic all right that was anyway a good anyway <laughs> um i guess we can get into the plot of this book uh you know there's it's there's, there's some not
0: stuff. one but we'll try
1: yeah there's some stuff that happens so The book opens with Johnny Rico, the character we are following, but as I mentioned, not the main character of this book, but the character that talks to us the whole time. Um, He is going to a planet with the rest of the Terran Federation to fight some bugs, which are the alien species, species they are fighting. They are like a hive mind arachnid type creature. Um, that are they are the bugs themselves are intelligent enough to make it into space and colonize other planets as well and to come up with like war tactics and things Um, but they're different so we're gonna kill them and they're a truly communist society yeah yeah which is another (laughs) crime second crime they share
0: (laughs) (laughs) truly communist not like communism on earth but truly communist because true communism is the Worst, there are thing. a bunch of pinkos. Is
1: that like a bad? That sounds like a racist thing to say, but I thought
0: it was relating to communism in the terms of like red and the red color. Being, yeah, yeah, but I could be wrong about that.
1: I know it just it feels like a bad thing to say. It does. <laughs> um,
0: I also really liked how this chapter ended with what if this was like a movie of this book, not the movie of this book, but if this mo- the movie was like a direct adaptation. Mm-hmm. This first chapter would have ended with like a freeze frame. I yes, bet you're wondering how scratched. I got here. Because <laughs> then go we on. go back in time to like when he goes to get recruited.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So he they're they're bopping around on this planet shooting bugs, and one of his platoon mates is wounded, and Johnny goes back for him, and but the dude end up ends up dying anyway. Sad. But, but that's the back. thing that makes us humans, Anna, we get told over and over again, is
0: that we will go back for yeah. injured people. And we, we care, care about the individual. And we'll sacrifice huge amounts of people to save one individual.
1: To save one person. And that's that's what makes us superior to the bugs, who, because they are a hive mind, will just leave themselves to die. Because they can they can lay like six trillion eggs at once. So like... <laughs> I just... I...
0: <laughs> first off it's factually inaccurate <laughs> like, that that humans always do this <laughs> like that's not true
1: well and also they have this like it's conflicting because another one of the big philosophies of this book is that, like we the only way like we you, to, we have to we have to go with the greater good and mm-hmm. the only way to understand the greater good is to go into the military and fight for something bigger than yourself. But then if we're doing that, then how can we just worry about the one individual who's a prisoner of war on another planet?
0: Now, I would like to clarify, the p- the point the book is making is not everyone should join the military
1: because that's they true.
0: very specifically say no. Yes, that's, but that's not the, not the only case. way you can get your citizenship to vote. But the only people who should be able to vote are the people who are good people who join the military. Because if you join the military, it means you care about the collective. Yeah. But wait, hold on. I thought we weren't supposed to care about the collective and we're only supposed to care about the individual. I'm confused. <laughs> it's very, Ugh. like you said, it's very conflicting, right? Like sometimes yes. like, collective, like you have to, if you're in the military, it means you care enough about the collective that you can be responsible to vote once you get out of the military. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm because you joined the military but also the only thing that makes us human and different from the bugs is that we only care that we care more about the individual than the collective so much so that we'll sacrifice members that like the like more people than would be saved to go on rescue missions so like
1: which is it (laughs) and also while you're in the military and specifically i'm talking about the Terran Federation because I don't want to make any comments about other real life militaries (laughs) for fear of backlash in the Terran Federation, you are, um, it's beaten into your mind that you have to listen to the chain of command. and You're not allowed to have any individualistic ideas whatsoever. So basically there's like one person voting (laughs) (laughs) who is the hive mind now. And also
0: what are we prioritizing here? Is it chain of command and following duty, which they say we're not because that's not the thing that they're saying is good for voting or is it caring about others which like okay or is it caring about the like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make make sense it doesn't make sense it falls apart immediately (laughs) but it's just it's just there's so much philosophizing that it seems right when you're reading it right yes
1: yes it's very Mm -hmm. (laughs) cherry-picked so we flash back Johnny is a high school senior and he is he's learning all this information from his teacher named Dubois who teaches history and moral philosophy which is a required class for all high school seniors but it's not a class that has to be passed
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like you don't get a grade in it you just have to go you just have to go to it and listen I mean to that it. was a thing in um freshman year of college
0: wasn't it you had to go to like the freshman uh
1: yes but i did get a grade for that
0: oh did you i thought mine was past like you just had to show up essentially
1: no mine was graded because my professor for that gave us assignments i was like this is bullshit no one else was getting assignments for their first year seminar so rude y'all 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 know we're music majors right like why are you giving us assignments (laughs) don't understand (laughs) we're practicing eight hours a day anyway i was not a music major for very long so Dubois I was not at the school for very long. So <laughs> <laughs> Dubois was says, like corporal punishment is good. You have to hit kids so that mm-hmm. they don't grow up to join gangs and commit violence. Military is needed for a strong society. I don't know. It felt very racist, also was another note I had made. I was like, the way he's talking about this this in this part, I was like, that that feels racist. Like he never outright says it's a long-ass discussion you guys because it comes up again. It comes up so much in this book. It
0: starts with training puppies, which again, okay, this is exhausting. You're comparing training human children to training puppies and that you it, have to hit puppies harder to, to teach them, which also you don't have to hit dogs. So maybe don't. But
1: yeah.
0: E- even if we're going with like, "Oh, it's just a swat whatever." You're comparing human puppy, or humans to puppies, even though your whole point in this book is that humans are a different species from everything else because they care about the individual, not the collective. So then, like, why are you trying to make the point that we should be trained in the same way as other animals if your point is that we aren't the same as other... Like, it doesn't make sense. It falls apart. It, like...
1: Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. This is the part where I was like, you're using very loaded language to me, mm-hmm. but this is my 2021 goggles on so who knows these juvenile criminals hit a low level born with only the instinct for survival the highest morality they achieved was a shaky loyalty to a peer group a street gang but the do-gooders mm-hmm. attempted to appeal to their better natures to reach them to spark their moral sense tosh they had no better natures experience taught them that what they were doing was the way to survive. The puppy never got his spanking. Therefore, what he did with pleasure and success must be moral. And I don't know. He just, like, goes on for a long time talking about, like, delinquents and gangs and, like, yeah, being morally poor and also, like, real poor, you know? It's I feel just... like
0: the delinquents and gangs language that becomes very racially loaded was more like the 80s with Reagan and, mm-hmm. like, welfare queens and that sort of stuff. But I could be wrong about that. This could be like the Jets versus the Sharks sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I, don't, I'm not saying that, like, it definitely isn't racist, because probably is, but, like, yeah. I'm not sure that, like, gangs had quite the same specifically racial, like,
1: you I know. I gotcha. See, so, like I said, that's 2021 goggles reading. But it could have.
0: I don't, I don't know for sure. I just know that, like, it definitely, that sort of language became very racially coded in the 80s. Okay.
1: So maybe we'll give Robert Heinlein the, the benefit of the doubt this one time. Anyway, it is just it's very awkward mm-hmm. grandstanding. To, and it to could read be racist. Today.
0: It certainly could be. I just yes. don't know that I have the historical context to specifically say that it is, but Same. it feels like it might it be. It just felt like it should be. <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> Johnny turns 18 and he decides it's time to li- enlist in the Terran Federation. Mostly because his best friend, Carl, and a very pretty girl that he only refers to as Little Carmen were also Well, to be fair,
0: sometimes they refer to her as Carmencita, which means Little Carmen in Spanish. (laughs) Which means Little Carmen in Spanish. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Love it. Love it. And people are always commenting on how tiny she is. (laughs) I'm like, this is... You, like people are like, she's so slim and she fits into the pilot seat. She's so tiny. She's her little form tripped through the hallways. I'm like, okay, we get it. Okay. She's, she's a like, cute
1: little girl you can put in your pocket. <laughs> she's like a lieutenant though. So why don't you just call her Lieutenant, whatever Carmen's last name is instead of little Carmen. Right. She outranks you, Johnny, <laughs> and she's way smarter and hotter than you deserve. Um, and anyway, she doesn't really go for him. She's like. She, you, Carmen, makes the ultimate sin of buzzing all of her hair off and therefore becoming unfeminine. So it's okay that she does not end up with Johnny in the book. Mm,
0: hold on. I would say I'd push back against that because Rico is very into her buzzed hair. He's like... He says
1: despite it. Like, hold on. <laughs> if a girl looks all right to start with, she still looks all right with her head smooth. <laughs> okay. Once you get used to it, it's rather cute.
0: Then he goes into, <laughs> and it does serve to set a Navy girl apart from civilian chicks, sort of a lodge pin like the gold skulls for combat drops. It made Carmen look distinguished, gave her dignity, and for the first time I fully realized that she really was an officer and a fighting man as well as a very pretty girl. So I for think sure. it's like, it's almost it almost loops back around to being like, I'm not Hot saying he's like she's hotter because of the buzzed hair. I think that his argument is that it's more important that she is like a good fighter and soldier, and that's what makes her good. Rather than there's a very weird, like but he gender politics. He couldn't of this.
1: recognize that until she shaved all of her hair off. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> she had she had to lose her beautiful hair that defined little Carmen. Oh my god! Any. <laughs> <laughs> Little Carmen becomes a pilot. Carl becomes some, like, nerd. And, you know, you all see I don't know. I, can, I guess I can't assume you've all seen the movie. But Neil Patrick Harris becomes research nerd. Um, <laughs> They sign up for a two-year term. And after which, you'll gain your citizenship. And, like we said, this is important because only citizens can vote. Um, And the super awesome, successful society only wants to make sure that specific people are allowed to vote.
0: <laughs> and the argument that they give, which I think I kind of touched on, is that Eventually, because again, they have all of these different flashbacks to his moral and history, whatever class, mm-hmm. and they have to, he takes that eventually when he goes to commander school or whatever. Um, so, the argument that they eventually reach is that uh, why are only um, former military allowed to vote? And the, what they, the conclusion they draw is that if you join the military, it means that you care more about the collective than yourself because you're willing to risk your life to be in the military and uh that's also why they make it very easy for people to drop out in the first few weeks yes and also in general like if you want to drop out like they're not that big on you know doing anything about that um so by that logic the people who are going to stay in the military and fulfill their full term because they care about the collective more than themselves would be good people to vote because they care about the collective more than themselves. So being in the military proves the thing that they actually want to prove to vote, which is that you care about the collective more than yourself, which is a weird choice for an anti-communist book, but okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Even so, being in the military does not prove that you care about the collective more than yourself. There are other things that you can gain from being in the military, both positive and negative. You can gain you know, self-assurance. You can gain money. You can gain renown. You can gain... Killing foreign people. You know, there's a lot of things that you could gain from the military, and it doesn't necessarily paint you in a good light or a bad light just being in the military. There are different reasons for going into it, and those reasons vary greatly from person to person and shouldn't be the basis on which you form your society.
1: Let's, let's, I mean. It is just, it's so, such a weird argument. (laughs) I don't understand. But you know, we're we're those like soft what did he call it? Oh my god, hold on. <laughs> the phrase that they use. Uh we're we're just we're just soft, well meaning people who have no scientific theory of morals though. That's so true. what do we know? <laughs> what do we know? Um So Johnny signs on for two years, but a term can be extended indefinitely if the Terran Federation goes to war. And spoiler alert, guess what happens? War. (laughs) Um, Johnny tests for a bunch of jobs, but the only one this idiot is qualified for is infantrymen. So he joins the mobile infantry, which basically means they're like foot soldiers, but they fight in big power mech suit things. Which, again,
0: this, like, whole setup made me very much think that this was supposed to be undercutting the military because he's, like, the infantry is bad and I don't want to be in it. It seems like a bad place. I would hate to be in the infantry. But then he gets into it and he's, like, I love the infantry. It's my life. I'm so obsessed with it.
1: It's the only thing that matters. Immediately, he feels this, like, possessiveness over the infantry.
0: So... So it's a cult is what's happening here. This seems yeah. anti-military. But that's apparently good, this, this whole they situation. They wear you
1: down physically. They deprive you of sleep. And they mm-hmm. they like make everyone look exactly the same until you wake up one day and you're like, I can never leave this.
0: And they have several charismatic leaders who will tell you what to do and where to go and how to behave. Like Yes. And they're firm but soft at times when they need to. <laughs> the way you're presenting this is, again, there are several reasons for joining the military, and they vary in, you know, like how they fall on the moral scale. But like the arguments the Heinlein is making, I'm just like,
1: none of none of this is good. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's parents are pissed about him going into the Federation, uh, so they don't talk to him for a really long time. But Johnny goes to boot camp anyway. It's hard. <laughs> Um, we get like several
0: vignettes of like, oh my here's God, so a guy my... who didn't follow orders, so he got lashed, and then we're gonna explain to you that like the reason that the philosophy behind the philosophy and... behind lashing and why he had to be kicked out, and then yes. here's a guy who killed a baby girl, who was in the military, but he left, and we didn't track him down, and he killed a baby girl. And now we're all really sad about it, so we killed him, and was it the right because thing to do?
1: Yes, it was. Because the military he takes someone. care of their own. You have right. to put down your own dog. Like cool. Old Yeller, just like we learned in Old Yeller, if your dog's dying, you have to go back <laughs> around and shoot, and that's when you become a man. Yeah. So
0: there's a lot of that, like little individual stories of, like, yes. here's what boot so, camp do. They,
1: they very – they try to, like, very gently weed out anyone who wouldn't be good at fighting, which, like, that's – like, those people – that's good. Those people are good. Like you like the people that are left. It was like 2000 people were in Johnny's class and mm-hmm. there was only like less than 200 of them at the end. I'm like yeah. those 200 that are left at the end are the ones that want to be there and want to kill and fight. So like mm.
0: <laughs> I, I I will say for the first part of this book, for the boot campy stuff, they weren't putting too much emphasis on like we want to go kill other people so much. Like it wasn't like we're We only, but it was, like, I don't know what what we were supposed to take from, that they're good at taking orders, I guess, is what we're left
1: with, like. Yeah, so, like, the whole, okay, so the the one guy that got the ten lashes, Hendrick, was like, the reason he got in trouble, because he punched their drill sergeant, um, because he didn't like taking orders from him, I guess, and. He goes to the captain, and he's well, like, I want quit the...
0: The drill sergeant punched him first.
1: Yeah, the drill sergeant punched him first, and he possessed that was back. his argument. Yes. And the captain's like, tell me what happened. And then Hendrick, the guy, tells him exactly. And, and the captain's like, oh, my God. Ugh, now I have to court-martial you. So they court-martial him and give him the 10 lashes and then kick him, like, dishonorably discharge him from the army as opposed to letting him resign. Um, but, like... They make this big deal about uh, the teachers are like the drill sergeant is like please reassign me i have failed i let a candidate or cadet get so out of line that he punched me i let it happen to me and the captain's like no it's my fault because i let you let it happen <laughs> it's
0: very like it's very much going back into that like beating your kid argument right yes. of like if you don't beat your kid and they act up, you have failed as a parent. Yeah. And so you're you're not doing what you need to do by being strict and mean to your child because they're going to grow up soft and weak and bad. Like it's that argument. <laughs> they're right? going to be. To be clear, I said all of that, and I do not agree with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the don't the, do The hit. whole like. Military angle of this is like the same idea of like if we go soft on these boys and don't psychologically torture them, they're not going to be good soldiers, and it's our fault.
1: But we're going to like scientifically, psychologically torture them Mm -hmm. just to like the brink, and if they cross it, that is my fault. I did go, like I don't know, I don't know. I went, I it was exhausting. Essentially,
0: the other teachers were like, "You should have gotten him to the point where he realized he wasn't a fit."
1: for the army yes. before this. Yes. Um, you should have which, thrown his weak ass out. Yeah, which, okay. He shouldn't be allowed to vote.
0: <laughs> Whatever. I can't. This The philosophy of this book is so fucking he stupid. He wouldn't listen
1: to orders, so he cannot vote. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny also, there's this big section or big, like, epiphany on Johnny's behalf where he, like, gets over the hump of whether or not he's gonna survive boot camp i guess um and he stays and he decides he never wants to leave the army um and then, Bo- and then buenos aires is destroyed by the bugs and johnny's mom is there and she died which is very sad and he thinks his dad died too he thinks his dad died too yeah uh, based on alert, the so fact his that his mom die. would never go anywhere by herself which she, a woman cannot go to a new city by her uh, not even a new city a city <laughs> she's been to before she's not allowed to go by herself in the, what is supposed to be the safest civilization that's ever been. Because we hit people. um, And then <laughs> also Johnny receives five lashes as punishment for doing some sort of like... It's... He... Something, something mumbo-jumbo military tactics. It's during,
0: during a training exercise he... Launches a nuclear explosion, which when na- it was like a, f- you know, like it's training exercise, not if it's yeah, real. like he did, but he didn't check radar. to make sure that it was cleared first. So one of the people in the exercise, if it was real, would have died.
1: Yeah, he he used his regular eyes and not his technology eyes mm-hmm. to aim the gun, and so everyone got mad. He got his five lashes, but then he's like, I got my lashes, and like that was it. No one ever mentioned it again, and it got wiped from my permanent record. So. I guess beating your children's last soldiers it, do does work. It worked, cuz I will forever remember the 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 pain of getting lashed. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Johnny graduates boot camp and he gets to be part of uh the roughnecks. Rat rat, rat chicks, rat, rat checks rash checks, roughnecks. Sure. Raschek's Roughnecks, I think, is how they pronounce it on the audiobook, but it wasn't, like, an official audiobook, so I don't want to be like, that's how it's pronounced. Probably. Raschek's Roughnecks, Um, on the Roger Young, he does some fights. He gets promoted to corporal. We talk a lot about, like, how, what it means to, like, belong to a group and, like, you're not one of the gang until you see combat, until you do a jump, which is, like, when they leave – the spaceship and land on a planet, I guess. Um, and then, I don't... There's like, there's all this stuff about, like, Johnny's like, ooh, I accidentally got promoted over this guy who's been here longer, so now we have to do a fight in order to determine who's the most dominant or whatever.
0: But then they both fight, and both of them are so good at fighting that neither of them can land a punch, and they, at the end they're, like, just tired on the floor of the bathroom because yeah. that's where they went to homoerotically fight. And then, like... <laughs> They're just lying there in the in the wet of the shower that's been running this whole time, probably. And they're and, shirtless. And they're shirtless. And the other guy's like, just punch me, Rico, so we can be done with it. And, and then Rico dies.
1: kisses him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then their lieutenant dies. Ra- 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 oh my Rashcheck, I think is how I said it. Rashcheck dies. And everyone's very sad about it. And this is a big thing about how, like, they still are following. Like, no one wants to admit this guy is dead, and so the chain of command is a little bit broken because no one wants to accept promotions. Like, they just want everything to be the same as it was before that guy died. Seems Um, like a good system. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, But eventually, the guy that Johnny fought in the bathroom is like, hey, you're hot, young, and dumb enough for people to want to follow you into battle. You should go to officer candidate school. And Johnny's like, all right, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go career. So he is accepted to become an officer. And as he's leaving the Roger Young to go to school, he runs into his dad who we thought (gasps) was dead. But he's not. Also decided to join the Terran Federation. Um, and he joined after his wife died. But not because his wife died. He joined because he was inspired by his son, Johnny, who, who was just so manly and brave. And Papa purposefully became an infantryman and requested to be on Johnny's ship so they could see each other again. And so his daddy could be so proud of his manly young son. But, like, fuck <laughs> fuck the dead mom, I guess. Like, she was just a woman. She could not inspire anything with within either of these men again like the gender polo- like there's
0: they make a point to make sure that women are included in the army and are really good at what the, or the navy rather i think and yeah. are really good at what they do which is specifically piloting like there's not women amongst the infantry there right. doesn't seem to be women in any other like branch of this weird tree um but they are recruited for pilots because because they are so good at math uh, being small and making and decisions quickly
1: little carmen so good. being little
0: carmen that they can pilot real good but they um, can't
1: drive well but they drive accurately yes i do. okay <laughs> i don't
0: and like he keeps he keeps like bringing up how their differences make them like very good at what they do but it's because women and men are different and i'm like this
1: is some weird <laughs> 20 yes shit. and like, then <laughs> also he like So Johnny is on a ship with – that is, like, a mix of military and Navy. And so there are women on the ship with all of these, like, rowdy men. And he, like, several times is, like, girl worth fighting for over there. Yes, 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 yes. But not about them specifically.
0: Not about, like, I'm in love with this girl and so I want to fight for her. Like – just women, in, women general in general
1: are what we're fighting for. <laughs> what
0: drives us.
1: Except mom. Fuck Except that bitch. My
0: dead mom and my aunt who also wrote to me that one time but was never mentioned again.
1: But blame me for my mom's death because I was in the military and I could have stopped it. I guess. <laughs> it's just very bad. It's just very it was- bad and
0: not good. And I don't get why I don't know. I
1: I I guess you know the book was like death by a thousand. Cause mm-hmm. like with when it came to like the the philosophy of it, like it didn't unfortunately didn't like dump it all at once on you. It just kept like it would give you a scenario that happened to Johnny, and then it would be like, here's the gross rationale behind that. <laughs> and be <you're> like, <laughs> stop, stop, and <laughs> like. The gender stuff, especially, like, I mean,
0: like, okay, it was the late 50s, so maybe this would be considered progressive at the time to be like, yes, women are good at things and can be in the women army, but only in very house. specific roles. Look um, at them having jobs. Aren't they cute? So, like, cool, but also oh, it carving. was, like, all of the, this is what we're fighting for as men. It was gross. And also, like... It was this weird vibe of it being like, oh, you know, we got women on the ship, and that made us better army We want to peek because... at them, but, but we're like, not allowed. Yeah, like, it was, like, very, like, okay, I know the issues now that come from, like, having women yeah. in the army and the very unfortunate, you know, uh, side effects of having douchebag men not respecting those women in right. the military. Um, and the cases of sexual assault that are rampant in our military. Uh, but that wasn't a thing at the time.
1: So, like, what, what was this? I don't know. Like, we'll let women out of the house and we'll give them jobs. But in our hearts, we'll know. They're not supposed to be there right
0: we'll only give them jobs in very specific roles and they'll only get to stay in very specific parts of the ship for their protection and to
1: (laughs) motivate us manly men (sighs) oh (laughs) sci-fi johnny goes to officer school and he's like i'll tell my friends to help you stay alive dad see you in a few months or a year i don't know how long it takes them." i'm he goes to training school. He's still bad at math, so he has lots of math homework to do mm. uh, and learns more of that cool moral philosophy stuff. There's also a point before he goes off to school where the guy who
0: beat him up in the shower and then didn't got beaten up by him and whatever, when he's like, you should go. And he's like, why don't you go, boyfriend? And he's like, well, yeah. I don't have the education. And I'm like, Johnny... John Johnny doesn't have education either. He was graduate. he graduated high school. Well, but did like he, he though?
1: It doesn't seem like he. He did.
0: says he says that he became like he graduated on his 18th birthday or something. So he didn't okay. graduate, okay. but uh, also like he specifically says his grades weren't very good. So
1: yeah, he's <laughs> like I got B's and C's, um, which I mean those are fine grades. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. I would think you would want somebody more in charge. But but that guy's point was like you have the like the, the correct IQ that they're looking for mm-hmm. in officers. And I was like, Ew, <laughs> what? Ugh. I don't know about all that. <laughs> uh anyway, eventually Johnny's assigned as a temporary third lieutenant for a company under the command of Captain Blackstone. And they take part in a raid on a bug planet to try and capture one of the bug brains or queens. And they do that. There's a lot of fighting. There's... Johnny is, like, they put him... He becomes... He's the leader of the platoon because of, like, there's not enough people. But also, he's only... There in an honorary capacity because the captain Blackstone has like arranged it so that Johnny really doesn't have any authority. So he's like making these calls and then captain Blackstone comes over the earpiece and he's like, actually Johnny do X, Y, Z. And Johnny's like, okay, okay, okay. And then he like has to like, cor- I don't know. It was like this weird thing where you kind of wanted to see, if at all you cared about Johnny like him coming into his own as someone who could command troops but instead he has to like be babysat essentially by yeah. someone who has a lot more stuff to do
0: <laughs> i think his moment of triumph was supposed to be like cuz like down. they're on the planet the bugs are around they're they've got these listening devices to like try to figure out where the bugs are going to pop out um And they do, and then it's like, oh, those are civilian bugs. Okay, we don't have to fight those. Oh, those are also civilian bugs. Okay, whatever. And one of the guys goes underground to try to get a brain or whatever. And Johnny is like, we are going after him, essentially. Yeah, we Which, never leave
1: a man behind. Right. We're so
0: again, going back on the humans, only people behind. And also, this was the exact same thing that we saw in the very first chapter of the book. So I don't know why we had to do it again, except Honestly. for the fact that this book was originally published just in two separate sections. So I guess Heinlein thought that probably his readership forgot about the first thing the first time <laughs> he like, did this exact thing. He's like, I just recycle
1: thing. a little bit, it's
0: totally fine. So like, he goes down. And he rescues the guy, but then also he gets knocked out and he has to go to the hospital. And also it turns out that that guy was his trainer from boot camp.
1: Which, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> but, like, he it's so weird the way that that part is framed because earlier in this section he's like, you'll notice that I'm not telling you the name of my platoon sergeant and I'll tell you why later. And then, he, like, this is supposed to be a big reveal and you're like, don't give a shit because right. –
0: As you didn't have any emotional connection with any of these people. Because they did that also with his, like, when he goes to get assigned to his, like, role. And the guy who's giving out the assignments, whose name I can't remember because I can't remember anybody's names in this book. Um, But the guy who's giving out the assignments is like, I got a letter from your philosophy and history of morals teacher who was also in the army. And wanted you to have his special stars or whatever that you're going to wear and yeah. like that's supposed to be like a big moment of us being like, Oh
1: his wow, teacher is really cool.
0: His teacher cares for him and, and like look at the bonds they've forged. But like they didn't. So
1: like <laughs> I Yeah, and but care. then but then the guy was like, Oh, but we lost those stripes. So um you that- could either take a new set or you could take mine, I guess.
0: <laughs> it was just so so silly. And I I think it's like that may be a thing that I just don't get as a civilian of that like could be the bonds formed in the war and you know like the bonds yeah. formed at boot camp and whatever like i just don't i'm never gonna get that sorry yeah
1: but also this book didn't help us try and get that no at all. like this book assumed we knew so much more about the military than i actually do because
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, i would just like throw terms out there i'm like you can make this accessible like you don't need to just like list off military jargon you can you can try but maybe in the
0: 50s this was more
1: like maybe that could people be, knew coming stuff off the more cuz yeah, yeah more people were in the military but everyone had know. like a son or whoever yeah. brother who went off to war so maybe but um the book ends with Johnny back on the Roger Young second lieutenant in command of what's now called Rico's Roughnecks Woo. and his daddy is his platoon sergeant
0: <laughs> weird
1: and also we find out the whole time that Johnny is Filipino, I guess. Which oh I was yeah, like, that was cool, fun.
0: neat. He's like me. <laughs> and they did they did drop it as like a twist at the end. They yeah. were like, What are you speaking there, Johnny? Oh, me? Just some Tagalog.
1: Yeah, like, this ancient <laughs> tongue called Tagalog.
0: But you know, my family still
1: speaks it at home. Like I try to keep the traditions <laughs> alive, you know. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the book ends almost exactly how it starts, like with the dialogue and everything where he's about to drop, make a drop on the planet. And he says some of the exact same things that he says, which I guess like neat that maybe that's some commentary about how war never changes or I don't know. That's the yeah. end of the book.
0: I mean, there's definitely that vibe throughout it, like that war has to happen, which is something yeah. I don't agree with. But yeah. I guess that's what we're going with for this book. It's your it's your lack of moral science. Exactly. So, that was this book. Uh, What would you like to see in (laughs) the final military sci fi book of this uh, unit? Uh,
1: Characters. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) Characters I like. Um, I liked that this book was from the point of view of someone who was not overseeing a bunch Mm -hmm. of people. Because what I didn't like about the Honor Harrington book is we have a captain, but like, so everyone is too far away Uh from her, or she distances herself. And this one we had Johnny who does has the potential to build that camaraderie with people, but the author just made the choice to not do that. Give us that. Um, so I think I would, I definitely want something that is more centered around if possible. And I know hard to tell until you read it more centered around the characters, or at least has some personality Mm -hmm. to the characters. Um, the length of this preferred. The length of Hunter Harrington. Um, and oh, there was one more thing I wanted, and now it's slipping my mind. More um, psychic cats. More psychic cats. Maybe more, more sci-fi mm-hmm. yeah. and less military Gotcha.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like both of these were very heavy in the military side of things.
1: Yes. And, like, I don't know. I get it. That's the whole appeal of this genre for a lot of people is that, like, we are bringing... A familiar structure to speculative fiction but also I want aliens like more, yeah. more Star Trek less whatever this is
0: I also feel like a lot of the like militariness of this is kind of underutilized in terms of science fiction where it's like why is it basically just our current military but in space like yeah. w- why would it evolve that way and they kind of make some arguments about that in this book I don't know if I agree with them because I don't agree with anything in this book, I don't think, um, just on <laughs> principle. So it I, it would be interesting to see them take more of a, like, okay, so it's a military in space. What would change aside from yeah. the ships being, like, spaceships? We have to
1: have some kind of new structure, right. new way of doing things. I don't know. Yeah, but you know me. I like, I like the idea – that you could have some sort – I don't want to use the term found family because I think that in, like, relation to military feels a little bit mm. – um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Offensive? <laughs> like, I don't want to use, like, found family and – I don't know. But, you know, like, that vibe. That I'm, mm. Like, these are a group of people that have come together and they are friends um, and they see each More. other as More of
0: a brothers-in-arms story rather than Yeah, it's like
1: more Band of Brothers, less one dude just, like, commenting on people. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, I think I agree with that
0: in terms of more books for the future. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't want to lump found family with this, like, military stuff. Like, (laughs) those two come from very different origins. (laughs) miss it's
0: less found family and more like forced Forced proximity family family.
1: you have to like each other or else or you Uh,
0: you might die (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah but yes i there has to be one book i'm sure there is especially like a modern book too
0: whether or not i will find it is the question yeah
1: well you know i'm sure it's hard it's like needle in a haystack sort of situation so
0: see what we can do
1: yeah i'm glad to be done with this one yeah for sure and i'm like am i gonna unhaul this book because i wrote a lot of mean things in it (laughs) (laughs) who do i give this to (laughs) anyway what have you been reading otherwise um well i wanted
0: to since i really didn't like this book i was kind of like do i just hate all sci-fi that wasn't written in this century like is that the problem Mm -hmm. um so I, i went to my tbr list and i found some other sci fi from not the 50s, I think it was the so it wasn't written in this century, written in 98. Um, so just on the cusp, uh, but a uh, different millennium ago. still, still definitely had some dated stuff in it, and I did like it significantly more than uh, the, the Heinlein book. Um, nice. which is the book I'm discussing is Brown Girl in the Ring by Nayla Hopkinson. Um, okay, it was a little bit. One of those spec fic books that definitely blurs the line between fantasy and sci-fi. It's set in a dystopian future uh, in Toronto at a time when Toronto has become, like, garbage. uh, And basically everybody has moved out of the city except for the people who can't afford to or, like, you know, didn't plan enough to. So now, like, the downtown area is a whole mess. But then this woman, this, like, the premier is... uh, hospitalized and needs a heart transplant and at the time they use pig hearts but then she and her like political dude have this discussion and they decide that like it would be politically expedient for her to like back returning to human transplants because of this like virus that's shown up in like pigs and whatever anyway so Hmm. as a result of that they Put out a request to the hospitals to get a human heart. And so they start, they go to Toronto and are paying this like gang leader to find them a human heart, essentially. So Ah. then this all loops into this girl whose name is TGN, who um, like she's recently broken up with her uh, boyfriend after uh, getting pregnant with his child and he's involved in the gangs. Um, and then her grandmother is like a practitioner of like healing and like um, she's like a healer and like works with the spirits and stuff like that. So again, this is like getting into kind of like melding between yeah, uh, that sounds cool. sci-fi and, and fantasy. Um, so this girl kind of gets dragged into this whole thing and there becomes like all of this drama and all of this family drama. And it was a very like I really liked how it dealt with like motherhood. Um, and, like, her feelings towards it and her own mother and grandmother and, like, all that sort of stuff. Um, So it was a lot of good character stuff. It was a very interesting setup. It does have quite a bit of gore if that is not a thing you're into, and it does also rely heavily on dialogue or dialect um, in Mm -hmm. the writing, which uh, Hopkinson is uh, Jamaican-Canadian, I believe, so, like, she's drawing from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that also does, like, some people don't like reading dialect stuff, so... You know, if those things bother you, it might not be for you. But I thought yeah. it was a really fun read in general. Awesome. How about you? What are you reading?
1: I read, I was like, I need to escape the past. I want to read a new release. So mm. I am listening to I'm almost done with. I couldn't quite knock it out before the podcast. Um, but reading Remote Control by mm. Nedia Okorafor, which is oh, a yeah, new yeah. book about a girl, young girl, about like six or seven years old finds what she she doesn't realize at the time but is an alien artifact and um that artifact seems to be giving her the ability to kill people and so she kind of <laughs> becomes no, and, and and like this accident happens in her home village um and she, when she like wakes up from it she doesn't remember her name or anything mm. really about her life and she just knows that she needs to get this alien artifact back because it was like stolen from her. So uh, she w- because of her powers kind of becomes known as this legendary figure of the adopted daughter of death and also it takes place in the future and there is like a mention they say something like oh they feared it was a pandemic almost as bad as the one from 2020 and I was like ugh <laughs> <laughs> remind me uh. <laughs> but it's really good I, I like a lot of Nidia core stuff yeah um binti is very good mm-hmm. um it caught a witch that's what it's called right yeah just make that up um and then also like i started reading it but i'm like two chapters in so maybe this is still just on my radar hopefully it's good um it's called slay by britney morris Oh, is, oh, yeah, I wanted to read that one. Yes, it's, it's it sounds really good. It's a YA contemporary about a um, girl who is developing a video game in secret. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone, I think there's like a teenager is killed over a dispute about the game. And so... And the game, it's I mean, she's a black girl, and it's about embracing like black culture, black traditions, and so they get they get a lot of really negative mainstream media attention because of that. But she, and she's trying to like stay secret, um, but then also like kind of exploring these topics of, you know, how to I don't know, like how how to just be. A black teenager growing up in this era and then also trying to like embrace the fact like not being afraid of mm-hmm. being a woman of color so i don't know it's really good the first two chapters i feel like it's already like it just has a lot to say and it does it very casually and i like it it's good
0: no uh deep dives into classes on the history of mi- <laughs> the military and um yeah uh, no kind of no that she doesn't
1: one. have to take that class on moral history and philosophy or whatever <laughs> history of moral philosophy yes yes yes
0: <sighs> uh okay cool so coming up next week i believe we have another morse monday i don't know why yeah. i said believe we obviously have another morse monday you guys know the deal at this point um which i Not think many is more of
1: them left just kidding there's like 20 left yeah there's (laughs) we've got like almost a a year year worth
0: (laughs) (laughs) um which will be animorphs number 34 the the prophecy i almost said the well wait is it the proposal or the prophecy the The proposal it's is it i have the prophecy in our calendar
1: oh my god i don't remember now we had a proposal recently and i can't remember if that's no it's the prophecy okay
0: I think it's the prophecy because I think the proposal
1: is the one after that. Yes. Oh my gosh. We haven't recorded yet.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, Okay. So it's definitely the prophecy. Uh, (laughs) And then the week after that, we are going to be kicking off our next submission unit, which I might have talked about this in the. I might. Be talking about this again in the next Animorphs episode, I can't remember how I introduced it there. Um, <laughs> but uh, we had mentioned in a past episode that about um, trash got trash boys and the trash boy rankings, and how we weren't mm-hmm. aware of as many trash girl books. Um, and our listeners, a couple of them, sent us some suggestions, uh, including Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman, which. Um, was recommended to Aspire listener Celine.
1: Yes, very excited. This one's kind of been on my radar for a while, but I'm a little bit nervous because, it's like, from what I've heard about it, the main the main character is very unlikable. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that translates. Yeah, uh, Trash Girl. That's what we're looking for. That's I guess. what we. That's what we asked for. We gotta see yeah. if yeah. If, uh, if the gender flip works. Yes. Uh, in the meantime if you have any suggestions for books or units you would like us to cover on the podcast you can email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com or talk to us on twitter at shelfawarecast that was backwards from why i don't know why my brain's been doing that lately i usually start with the twitter and then go to <laughs> gmail doesn't matter as always thank you to ben cope for the Smart theme song you can check out his youtube channel in our show notes below We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms, so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should, or else I will call you and read Starship Troopers to you over the phone (laughs) on a regular basis. It'll be hell for both of us. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review, but if you do not, that's all right, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the Internet you would like. In the words of Robert A. Heinlein, In a way, an administrative flogging is the mildest sort of a compliment. It means that your superiors think that there is a faint possibility that you just might have the character eventually to make a soldier and a citizen, unlikely as it seems at the moment. No! That's brainwashing! (laughs) Get out! (laughs)
0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware. I'm Em. This is a podcast where we talk about books. Fuck you. Yes, it is. Let me do it again.